I want to hold my young men to very high expectations. And so I think that if we are going to be hearts and minds around helping young people grow and be better, we not only have to have high expectations for them, but also high support. You're listening to the Getting Smart Podcast, where we unpack what's new and innovative in education. And today we will hear stories from leaders who are inspiring what's possible in project-based learning. These leaders all spoke at this year's PBL World Conference, where more than 800 educators gathered in Napa Valley to discuss and learn more about high-quality project-based learning. Right, and more holistically, the conversations were about engaging students, reaching students, and caring about students. We asked education leaders about the challenges to scaling high-quality PBL, especially the leadership challenges. You'll learn from three of the sharpest and most dedicated minds in this work, including Gia Trong, Ashanti Branch, and Bob Lenz. First, we get a chance to talk to Gia Trong, the CEO of Envision Schools, which is a charter network in California that uses high-quality project-based learning for and with students. Uh, Gia was also a speaker at PBL World, where she spoke about how she wants to create more equitable learning experiences for students and explores the relationship between equity, project-based learning, and skill building, especially for those students who come into classrooms who are behind. And some people say that PBL is not possible for students who may already be behind or who are struggling. But Gia helps bust that myth and shares how Envision Education helps all students through PBL. Here's Gia on her own history, why she promotes engaging, high-quality, project-based learning. So Envision Schools is a very mission-oriented organization. We operate three charter schools, uh, two high schools, one 612, and then we also have a consulting division that um, shares our best practices to other districts and schools. We serve predominantly low-income students of color that will be first in their family to enter and graduate from college. I feel like teaching was probably my only destination. Um, I um, was a first-gen college-bound student who entered college wanting to make a difference and to teach and realized when I became a teacher that um, students needed more than what the classroom provided, then but became a principal and then a systems leader and ended up in vision because I really believe in uh, project-based learning um, as you know, a pedagogy that really uh, empowers students, uh, especially students of color, to really be engaged in school and learn about themselves and learn about the community around them. So came to Envision because I really believe in the mission, which is um, to transform the lives of students that are first in their family and by helping them be successful in college, in life, and, and in career and in life. I actually attended Brown University and went through the MAT program. So that the philosophy of that program was really believing in, in project-based learning for students. They didn't call it like that before, but definitely like students need to engage in deep learning, not just rote learning, but really deep learning through projects. So um, I started off as a project-based learning teacher. Mm -hmm. When I realized that, and the population I've worked with has always been low-income, kids of color, first-gen, and I realized that I was doing projects which they were really engaged with, um, but the missing piece was the skills piece, that, that, that a lot of my students couldn't read at grade level and couldn't access the material. So what I ended up doing was um, coping with it by giving them a lot of the content in PowerPoints. And I realized, wow, when they presented, they were regurgitating what I was telling them and they were not thinking deeply. So I realized that I needed to also be a literacy teacher. Um, and as I was getting more involved in project-based learning, 
Um, my belief is, and I believe that folks that really know project-based learning also believe that it's not just engaging relevant real-world content, but really, um, really strong daily instruction that builds students' skills. Um, so I became a really a stronger project-based learning teacher by teaching relevant, engaging, authentic projects that incorporated skill building, uh, where kids are actually learn, learning literacy skills and learning other critical thinking skills to really um, understand uh, the projects deeply. Um, and I think the piece that a lot of folks miss and I don't know if this is the correct language to use, but I'll use it in, in this context. I feel like there are um, two, two kind of um, different sides. One is kind of the no excuses. Let's make sure kids get all the basic skills they need and mm -hmm. drill and kill. And, 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 and that is, um, in that sense, it's equity, right? Like kids are going to learn what they have been denied. The other piece is around projects and project-based learning and real-world learning. And what we have right now, um, generally, not all, but generally, is we have affluent middle-class kids getting some project-based learning uh, experiences, and then low-income kids of color getting this no-excuse piece. Uh, my belief is that low-income kids of color need, need both. They need skill building and they need projects. So what that requires is actually really strong project-based learning, not just the ones that are just we're all engaged in projects, and you know, but really projects that incorporate skill building, and um, so that's what Envision tries to do, and it's really really hard to do both. Um, it's we're re basically we're requiring teachers to be skill-based teachers, teachers that have really good planning skills to do really skillful project-based learning, and then teachers that are also social providing social emotional support for for students. So it's really hard. So I can see leaders say it is too too hard. Let's do one or the other. And I I think that's what we do with kids. It's too hard to actually engage kids that have some skill uh, gaps in deep learning. But it doesn't mean we don't do it. It means that actually we have a higher responsibility to provide them with the deep learning and the uh, skill instruction. So I would say that if we have high expectations for our students, then we need to have high expectations for staff. And that the leadership challenge is to figure out how to do it, not to not do it. And that may be, and, and, and Envision's going through this right now, how can technology support uh, us to do this well and support us to do skill-based instruction uh, better and more personalized, but also with projects? How do, how do we actually use technology to do that? How can we also become creative in using different uh, people to do different things, so it's not all on the teacher. Um, so I, I think it's it's absolutely possible. We have to believe it's possible. It's, but it's just about how do we like shift and change systems in order to make sure that the conditions for are there for teachers to be successful and for students to be successful. You're listening to students, parents, and teachers talk about project-based learning on the Getting Smart podcast. This episode is brought to you by the Buck Institute for Education, the organization that hosts PBL World and provides strategic services to districts and schools looking to implement high-quality PBL. For more resources, ideas, and news on project-based learning, visit bie.org 
gettingsmart.com, or follow hashtag Project Based. Up next, we hear from Ashanti Branch, who keynoted this year's PBL World and talked about his experiences as a first-generation college student. So Ashanti is also a Stanford D School fellow and an amazing public speaker. If you're looking for someone who can move and engage your audience for your next event, you should check out Ashanti at everforwardclub.com. Uh, He founded the Ever Forward Club in 2004, and it mentors young men of color in middle and high school by providing them with safe, brave communities that build character and transform lives. He's also been a teacher and an administrator at schools. And here he begins by talking about leadership challenges and scaling high-quality educational experiences for all students, especially those most marginalized. He discusses the role that discipline plays in reaching students and how maybe the best route to shifting behaviors includes mentorship and connecting with students through meaningful work and projects. He also tells us a little bit about what's next for him and why he stays hopeful. Well, you know, with Everford Club, after finishing this fellowship at Stanford, coming to an end, the end of June, I'm really excited that over these last 12 years of running this program, I was not trying to build a nonprofit. I was trying to help some kids pass algebra. What I've learned is that there's a huge need. It's not just a need in Oakland. There's a need right next door in Berkeley and Alameda. And there's a need all over the nation of uh, people who recognize that our young men are in a crisis right now. And what gives me hope is that the, the message is starting to awaken people. You know, I've been doing this work for 12 years, and in the last, say, five years, with My Brother's Keeper coming out and the documentary The Mask You Live In by Jennifer Siebel Newsom, it is beginning to elevate the conversation about how do we support our young men, not just saying, well, boys will be boys, and knowing that their problems are getting worse, and saying, well, we need to get into the roots and either give us some nourishment or we need to get the things that are not supposed to be in there out of the way. We need to be like gardeners, and if they're the weeds that shouldn't be there, get them out and, it, and help nourish the roots that are doing well so that we can make, make, them, make our young people stronger. And so I think um, I'm, ex- I'm excited about that. I'm excited about, you know, we're in a stage of raising money to build our program to the next level. This next two months is a big season for us. And so, you know, I'm not, I'm not going back to a job. I'm not going back to a, a guaranteed check, which is scary. Growing up as a poor boy in Oakland, like to have like a, a place where I'm like, I don't have a job right now. <laughs> I have plenty of work to do, but I don't have a job, right? So that fear sets in, but also knowing that this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And so be working hard to build our organization and do more workshops around the nation and begin getting the word out and you know, finding educators, parents, young people where our services are going to benefit their reaching those students in better ways. And that's what we're doing this year. And that's our excitement today. Next up is Bob Lenz, Executive Director of the Buck Institute for Education, talking about what it takes to coalesce a movement and why project-based learning matters. I think project-based learning is getting its time in the sun because people have realized it's a project-based world and that project-based learning is a great way to engage students and for them to learn content and to learn the skills they need for success um, right now in school. And they're also looking at the changing world that's connected, complex, becoming more automated, and realizing that what they need to also do what's good for kids now and for later in their future. So we're really excited that so many teachers and schools and districts are interested in building their capacity to do high-quality project-based learning. Paul Tuff, uh, in his book, Helping Children Succeed, quotes from 
my book, Transforming Schools Using Project-Based Learning and Performance Assessment and the Common Core Standards, in one little section where we say we, we have yet to find a student who's too far behind or too far ahead to have a project-based experience where they, uh, that, that they don't learn from. And so what it takes to support students, and we really agree, and he uses research in his book, that is both relationship and having the opportunities to connect with students and see them as, as human beings and people, much like Ashante Branch in his keynote here at PBO World highlighted. But it's also the pedagogy or the teaching and learning and where we think project-based learning has the opportunity to both enhance that relationship with students and, and teachers, but also have the chance for the students to become engaged in things that they care about and content that matters in such a way that it leads them to success in school and then also prepares them for the, for the changing world. When asked about challenges to scale, Bob speaks about being in it for the long haul and encourages us to think beyond a quick fix. Well, I think the, the biggest challenges is the commitment to overcoming the barriers. So what we see is the challenge are the barriers that we need to have more coherence in our schools, and especially with regard to project-based learning. So project-based learning is a strategy that is both a strategy and a mindset, but if done well, it can be the answer to getting kids to the learning the, the common core standards as well as the critical thinking, communication, collaboration, creativity, self-direction. But it, it can't be in addition to 17 other initiatives going on in a school or in a district. There's the barriers of, of structure Teachers, if, you have, if you're in a middle school or a high school and you have 150 to 175 students and you're trying to do project-based learning with those students, it's almost impossible. If you imagine that a good project product takes 20 minutes to a half hour for a teacher to give them feedback, it's much different than assessing a, a multiple-choice test. And you multiply that 30 or 20 minutes times 175, you're talking 60 to 80 hours of, of work. Well, that's on top of 40 hours of working with students. So this challenge of structure and time is, is a big barrier, and it's going to require a lot of change management. And, and third is commitment, that you, do, you learn to do project-based learning by doing project-based learning. And most often, as you get started, it's not your best work. Um, that's the students, the teachers, the schools. And it's through the commitment to continuing to do project-based learning and learn from the things that don't work that the projects get better, they get deeper, and the students get more and more engaged and prepared for their future. So the leadership challenge is to address the barriers and bring coherence and the right conditions and commitment to project-based learning for the long haul, not seen as a short-run fix. Although the work may not be easy, Bob found great rewards during his time as co-founder of Envision Schools and well now at BIE. Here's Bob talking about the value of project-based learning. I was a co-founder of Envision Education, and we have a graduation portfolio and defense system. And the first year we rolled it out, it was such hard work. And it had been four years in the making. And the students were really struggling because you can't 
submit your portfolio until all your work is rated proficient. And so they're revising and revising and revising. And then they have to get prepared and make an argument that based on their work, that they've mastered these 21st century leadership skills and then give a a dissertation type defense. And we get done and we're in the debrief with a small group of teachers who shepherd the students through this process. And these were all veteran teachers who had been teaching five to 10 years. And they said, that was the hardest work I've ever done as a teacher. And these are people that have been teaching for a while and they've been teaching in urban settings with low income kids of color. And that was the hardest experience that they, hardest they've ever worked. And then they said, and it was the best experience of my teaching career. When I saw those students achieve what they achieved by their persistence and their commitment and their connectedness to the work and to their future, it made all the hard work worthwhile. And I would do it over and over again. And so I think it's really important to remember that the journey on project-based learning is not, a, not necessarily an easy one, especially when you get started, because it's such a shift for both the students and the teachers to actually say, you want me to do something that I'm interested in, or I actually have to work to get work so that it's ready to be shown publicly, because that's such a shift. And so that's the hard work. It's actually not like get your hands dirty. It's actually holding expectations high when young people don't want they want to push back but then when you achieve it both you and the student it's a life-changing experience that you never forget and so i i hope that as people think about this that they realize that the best things in life come through hard work and project-based learning is the same way Thanks to the Buck Institute for Education for connecting with us at this year's PBL World Conference. For more on PBL, check out BIE.org or follow along as we explore project-based learning through our It's a Project-Based World campaign using hashtag project-based. And if you've enjoyed this podcast on PBL, then we've got more for you. Head over to the Getting Smart Podcast iTunes channel where you can find all sorts of great conversations from education enthusiasts on innovations in education. If you're specifically interested in project-based learning, then we have an episode called The Students and Parents of Project-Based that you will love. And while you're there, remember to rate us and tell us what you think. For the Getting Smart Podcast, this is Kat and Megan signing off.